1: Tommy's here. I am here. The show today presented by MyBookie. Go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use my promo code Kevin DC for a chance to secure a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. You just use my promo code Kevin DC to claim your bonus. Whether you're a diehard or a casual fan, simply put, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my MyBookie. Again, MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC. Uh, I t- just read Tommy's outstanding column on the Bradley Beal trade, so we will get back to that. Have some follow-up thoughts to my thoughts yesterday. Uh, we'll update everybody on the poll that I put out yesterday and ask Tommy... The same question, but I'm just going to mention this to start the show, Tom. I um, my oldest son is uh, actually home for a couple of days. Uh, you know, he lives in L.A. He was in New York and he came home for a couple of days. And um, last night, he's like, "We got to watch this show." that my buddy's been telling me about and it's getting rave reviews and I'm like, I I can't do another show. I, I want to do the white house plumbers thing. Tommy's got me into that. (laughs) Um, we ended up watching the first three episodes of this show called silo. Have you heard about it?
2: No, but I have found a new show as well.
1: It's on Apple TV. Um, it is, you know, it's a sci-fi thriller And, I mean, the fact that I got through... not crazy about sci-fi. I I, I know you're not. Um, uh, Yet you loved Stranger Things. I mean, this is the... This (laughs) is what makes you so complex, is your simplicity. Uh, And and your just occasional forgetting that you actually do like things that you say you don't like, and you don't like things that you say you like. But, whatever. Um, This... The fact that I got through three episodes and we started them at about 9 o'clock last night tells you that I am gripped by this thing so far. Now, um, this is is a week-to-week thing on Apple TV, just like Ted Ted Lasso. You're not able to binge it, but there are eight episodes so far, and I think episodes 9 and 10 come out later this week and next week. And I did read uh, after um, watching the three episodes last night that they have already um, uh, bought in for a season two. It's excellent. It's wild. Rashida Jones is in it. You you remember Rashida Jones um, from from Parks and Rec and from uh, The uh, Office. Uh, You know, she is Quincy Jones's daughter. I don't know if you knew that. uh, yes, but uh she's in it um and not a lot of other tim robbins is in it uh common is in it and and he's uh he's got a uh, he's he's got a part in there and the guy uh, that plays this guy david uh, that plays this guy holston becker his name's david olio or olowo I, I actually don't think I know him from anything else um, but he is excellent. But it's really good. It's the the idea is that 140 years ago something terrible happened to the world and there's there was this underground silo built um and uh and there's a whole you know um a whole population of people living on you know like hundreds of floors of a silo. It's wild. But it's really good so far. So I'll keep you posted on this one. But the first 3 episodes thumbs up. Very good. Uh, what is your new show?
2: Well, it's an old show. It was Columbo? recommended to me by to- by Tony Rubo, the bartender at Shelley's back room. Okay. Uh, who's a wealth of information. Right. Uh Bartenders and he gave me a more. list of shows I should check out. And this one is called Louder Milk. I think I've
1: heard of this.
2: You know, it was on the at t audience network. I never heard of that. network In two, in 2017. And it was on for three years. And then the network went out of business. Uh, so Amazon Prime just kind of picked it up. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 they didn't make new episodes, but they air the three seasons that were made. And, I, I can guarantee you, one thousand percent, that you will love this series. Really? It's oh. about it's about a guy who uh, who's a former addict who now is a drug and alcohol counselor, and he runs a support group. It's created by Peter Farley, one of the Farley brothers. They oh, made yeah. there's something about Mary. Yeah, right. And yeah, they're very funny. This is a hilarious show. And so irrever- irre- irreverent, it's just unbelievable. There, There's no rules for this show. What's it's it on? It's great. And it's on It's on Amazon Prime now. Oh, it's
1: on Amazon Prime now. Got it.
2: Yes. Okay. They picked it up. It's called Louder Milk.
1: Louder Milk.
2: All one I word. I think I've heard
1: of it. I think somebody else recommended this to me a while back.
2: Oh, it's really funny. I just pulled up the... Uh... Highly recommend it. Yeah. If you can't be... If you can't easily be offended, this is the show for you.
1: <laughs> it's pretty hard to <laughs> offend me. Um, yes. All right. Uh, so two recommendations to sh- start the show off. How about recommending? I think work is done. How about, right? how about recommending Michael Winger as a guy that somehow convinced, you know, uh, Ace Rothstein that he should trade Bradley Beal within a year <laughs> of signing him to a $251 million deal? That's crazy. Uh, but they did the right thing. We've talked a lot about this. I do want to get your thoughts, and I just read your column. So I spent you know, 30, 40 minutes on this yesterday, on yesterday's show. Tell me uh, and tell everybody what you thought.
2: Well, again, it, it, it's, it's, the argument is not that they shouldn't have done it. They had to do it. I mean, in order to move forward, they had to take this painful step. But it was so much more painful than it should have been. And the, to me, the biggest, the, the, the biggest idiot in this, this move is Ted Leonsis, the owner. Yeah. I mean, I wrote this in the column. He's been the owner of this franchise full-time now for 13 seasons. Right. And this is what he's learned over that 13, those 13 years to, to put himself in a position like this the posi- it was the position that they put themselves into that's the biggest crime here of trading a guy who they just signed to a 251 million dollar contract extension who they gave the keys to the franchise with with a no trade clause yeah that's that's it's just it's just absurd it's, it's like that's a first year owner not a guy who's owned the team for thirteen years. And if you take the years he was part owner of the Wizards, he's owned them, you know, a piece of them since nineteen ninety nine. Hasn't he learned anything over that time? Or is he too <laughs> smart to learn anything?
1: Oh, he's smart.
2: Has he got it he's, all figured out?
1: Just ask him. Yes. Um Well, I mean, look, like you wrote in your column. This was a guy that, you know, after taking over the Wizards, put out a book called The Business of Happiness, which was, you know, an absolute instruction manual on how you can be happy.
2: You know, I looked I looked in that whole book. I didn't find anything about trading your superstar player for peanuts. <laughs> I didn't find anything about that. That might be the seventh secret. He promised... He said there were six secrets to success. I'm thinking this is the seventh secret that he didn't reveal
1: yeah, um this is I, I mean,
2: everyone knows it had to be done, but it's it's an it's still it's one more insult to a fan base that doesn't deserve any more insulting. It's just one more you know just one more just just pile it on, you know it's like that that. That that old video game, the Oregon Trail, where you know at every stop the family got one more burden on them. That's what <laughs> Wizard fans are. They're they're the family in the Oregon Trail.
1: Is that the family of the Oregon Trail, like when they were uh, like the Donner Pass families?
2: No, no, they they, uh. they had a big burden on them. They became <laughs> they became dinner. That yeah. that was that was a big burden on them. Remember a Will Smith movie. A true story about a guy who became a successful executive, but at one point he was living in the subway with his son, and he was overtaking so much. I
1: do remember that movie. What was that called? Was that called? Oregon Trail or something? No, no, it
2: wasn't. But, I mean, it was so absurd, even if it was true. This guy had one thing after another. Just like, he was a Wizards fan. He had one thing after another. You know, except the Wizards fans, they haven't got a chance to become the company executive yet. They're still sleeping in the subway with their kids.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, what else? Uh, I mean, I want to read um, a tweet that I got, and that'll continue this conversation a little bit. But what else? Uh, Because, again, I spent uh, the whole show yesterday talking about this, most of the show.
2: Well, I mean – they didn't seem to have many partners. Uh, people speculated Miami was a partner, but later I read from other accounts that they weren't a serious partner. I think they probably were, because Pat Riley. Had, I just saw a quote from Pat Riley saying how hard it, it is for them to find help for Jimmy Butler, and that he may have to, you know, continue to to carry the load for the Heat. Uh, so I think if if that if that's a true quote, they were probably interested in Bradley Beal, I would think. So maybe those reports were true, uh, but there weren't. A, there were only one or two options, and the one that was a, the legitimate option knew that the Wizards, you know, they were over a barrel. I mean, they had no leverage. Yeah. No. And and they and plus you had to deal with the player deciding where he wanted to play.
1: Um. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, I, I think there's so much that, that went into this. Obviously, like if you rank them in order in terms of the worst possible time to trade them, A is the contract. To be honest with you, the $200 million left on the contract – for a player who's missed 74 games the last two years, is actually provided them with less leverage than the no-trade clause, which was second on the list. Like, I would combine $200 for a player that's been injured the last two years as the thing that really kind of held them over the barrel. But the no-trade clause, I mean, was just insult. Um, you know, and, 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 and was just, you know, icing on the cake. I mean, it, it certainly was stupid to do um, and allowed Bartlestein and, and Beal to kind of dictate where they wanted to go. But um, so I, I got this tweet from Brett. Uh, Kevin, Ted Leonsis' decision to move on from Bradley Beal at great cost and embarrassment to his organization and himself is a major shift in philosophy. Similar to Snyder, Ted's never been wrong in his entire life. This is an admission that he really messed this up. It's a major step in the right direction for a franchise that has been just as poorly run as the football team in this city has been. Um, I'll get into that in a moment, comparing the the Wizards and the, and the, and the Skins. Um, so, you know... I talked a little bit about this yesterday. He's not wrong. Look, Michael Winger and Will Dawkins, but really Michael Winger, wouldn't be here unless Ted you know, unless Ted told him it was okay the first thing that he did when he got here was to trade Bradley Beal. I'm not so sure that Tommy Shepard didn't tell him that either. Um, it would not surprise me if Tommy Shepard said it's time to cut bait on this thing it was a bad mistake um, but Tommy Shepard wasn't going to get a chance to correct this either look this is Ted this is his franchise you know I went back and found the quotes from a year ago um, less than a year ago okay remember this deal was done <laughs> less than one year ago they signed yes, Beal to, to a, to a 200 July of last year to a 251 million dollar deal with no with a no trade clause. And this is what Ted said. He doesn't want to be traded, and we don't want to trade him. He said he didn't view the no-trade clause in Beale's contract as a point of leverage, well, he should have, um, but a point of partnership. It's a way to become a destination for players around the league and to show that the organization invests in players and rewards loyalty. See, this has been the problem with Ted is that this is a guy who thinks that their best practices, you know, businesses in business, there's this term called best practices. It's like, you know, the right way to do things to get, you know, optimal, you know, results and you right. know this is what Jason Wright's been you know kind of bragging about for the last few months that they now have you know the best industry practices when it comes to HR and Ted's been a best practices guy and believes that you know um this culture of caring will lead to a culture of winning. You know, being super loyal and being player-friendly and rewarding for things beyond basketball is, like, the right way to do it because, let's face it, I mean, he took care of and cared for Alex Ovechkin and rewarded him, and it produced a Stanley Cup. And, God, I can only imagine what his eSports players, uh, how they're rewarded and cared for. Um, But in the NBA, it's not a culture of caring. It's a culture of talent. And talent is what, you know, breeds winning. Um, I'm not saying that the culture of caring can't, you know, also uh, be a part of a culture of winning. But, you know, talent, talent, talent. You know, and by the way, elite talent, not really good talent. Brad was really good. He wasn't elite and yet they cared for him so much and they they made him a part of this culture of caring and they you know they they got sucker punched by it. Um because that's not how it works in the NBA. You can't give a very good player an elite contract and make him your elite player. Um I don't even by the way know what point
2: of partnership means. I mean
1: uh, yeah, yeah it's,
2: it's, it's, it's this language that he does, you know? Yeah, it's... You know, it, it, it's Ted's language to show that he's smarter than everybody yeah. else. I mean, it's really... I mean, to the point, he's become a caricature of himself oh. at this point. And, you know, look, I understand the best practices concept is an important concept when you're competing for the best talent, but not if you're... A lousy company that has that has really good benefits. Okay, yeah. that's basically that's basically what it is. You're saying, oh, we stink, but boy, you'll be comfortable here. Yeah, you get none. You, know? you well, get
1: 17 floating holidays, and we've got great health insurance.
2: Yeah, you know, we might be the worst company in the in the insurance business, uh, but boy. You know, you'll you'll like the four weeks we give you for Christmas and stuff like that. The bottom line is, I mean, players are want. I mean, the players you want are going to go to the place where they feel they can compete the best.
1: Yeah, Um, I, I just, I, I have to think that I want to hear. Like last week, we heard the beginnings of how he's going to extricate himself from the primary responsible uh, person in in this debacle. I mean, this is one of the worst mismanagements of a contract situation in our city's history, and I'll get to the poll that I did yesterday with you in in a moment. I mean, you know, a lot of us at the time said, this is ridiculous. You can't give them this money, and yet, at the same time, it's like, the NBA is weird this way. It's like the, the Wizards are one of those teams that the only players that are willing to stay are the players that are already here. You know, um, you can't get them to come here. So, uh, you know, on one hand, over the years, while, you know, a total rebuild was the right move with Bradley Beal, a significant asset two years ago where they would have gotten two bucks back for the buck that they they traded. Instead, they got 10 cents for the buck they traded the other day, Um, and it was just a terrible mishandling of it. But it is an odd situation that that the NBA is, and with teams like the Wizards, where it's like, we actually have a really good player. He's been an all-star, and he's a really good guy. And if we let him go, nobody close to him is coming here because they just don't. But that's where Ted made his big mistake, and that is you had to embrace the idea of a rebuild with a youth movement through the draft. And you had to do it when you could get the most back for Beal in draft choices and hopefully land on after 2 to 3 years of drafting high and drafting a lot, you know, a superstar player or two. But they made the mistake of thinking that Beal was uh, close enough to being uh, a a superstar. Um, But what's going to be interesting, Tommy, is we heard the beginning last week, right? You know, he was focused on telling everybody how great Monumental was as a media behemoth. Um, And how, you know, people all around the sports world, you know, view monumental as a media empire and as the standard bearer (laughs) for teams that own their own media. You know, he talked about all of the championships that his teams have won. But that, you know, and you wrote a little bit about this and it wasn't necessarily specific to this, but that stuff is just really a a reflection of, of being tone deaf. Nobody cares about that. And it's not to say that what you've done with this isn't great. I don't know if it's a behemoth or not, but whatever, you know, and I'm not telling you that you know winning a championship with the mystics and with the caps or I'll leave the caps in the big category. I mean, caps and the wizards, that's what people want to hear about. They want those two teams to win. Like you gotta recognize what carries the 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 freight here you know what pe- what what people actually care about look i'll never forget remember this when we did the 2 hours with him at morton's for lunch with a oh, legend yeah. and that was roughly yeah. 10 years ago now
2: and, yeah, he, and t- he gave us he gave us a lesson in what the future was going to be in this town
1: he really did he he lectured us on all, uh, all of the hockey that we were missing out on on Sports Talk Radio, and how we should be doing much more hockey. And I looked at him and I said, You can, t- I won't tell you how to run your business, although we do. Because uh, I remember joking about that and laughing. I said, Although we do. Um, but trust me, you don't know anything about my business. Because if I talked about your hockey team as much as you want me to talk about your hockey team during football season, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be here with you today. Um, But anyway, uh, whatever. I mean, I I think, you know, he did say, you know, he gave himself a failing grade. Then he kind of tried to shift. That was, by the way, on the podcast that he did with Woj. He tried to shift kind of the blame to Tommy Shepard. Yeah, then then
2: yeah, then he threw Tommy on Yeah, the and
1: then the press conference last week was kind of a sleight of hand move. Like, look over here at all the great things, esports, mystics, know. you know, and um, don't look over here right now. It's we've got good people now. I've gone out and hired the best, you know, the edgiest, the youngest. I mean, this is always part of the whole spiel, you know, with a lot of business jargon, just like you know our guy, you know, in, in uh, with the commanders uh, does and. The bottom line is the results have sucked. You know, uh, the results of this franchise, since he owned it and long before he got here and started to own it, um, are abysmal. And they messed up royally the Bradley Beal situation. So I am interested to see when, you know, the trade is finalized and we get Winger up there, if we're going to get Ted on anybody's podcast Talking about how you know uh, they, they got the brightest of the brightest in there, and they made the best move possible. I don't know if it was the best deal, the deal possible. That's the one thing that I hope that you know there wasn't an opportunity with Miami for first round picks instead of a bunch of second round picks. Because um, when you do this, you're supposed to get a lot of first round picks, <laughs> not not yeah. six second rounders.
2: How how ironic is it? <laughs> that they got all these second-round picks. And remember how Ernie Grunfeld did with second-round picks? I know. He flushed ch- them down the toilet oh, he sold the them. minute he got his hands on he them. He
1: sold them for cash.
2: Yes. Yeah, yes.
1: all the time. <laughs> um, now, uh, Brett's tweet about, you know, con- the, look, the results are comparable to the football team. I mean, you know, the, the Wizards have been just as bad as the Redskins have been. I mean, from an NBA standpoint, because you get many more teams into the postseason every year. So the fact that they did have that run of going to the playoffs for four out of five years, you know, three of them with Randy Whitman and one or two of them with Randy Whitman, two with Scott Brooks, whatever it was, um, you know, and that they actually, and see, that was something David Aldridge said to me this morning is something we've talked about in the past. You, you, he said, in 2016, you can't hope. For Kevin Durant, you have to know yeah. that you're going to get Kevin Durant, and if you are, are if you don't know that you're going to get him, then you don't make plans to get him. And they flushed, you know, players and some and, and a big time player and contributor, Trevor Ariza, in hopes of clearing up all that cap space. And then they had to go out and sign Paul Pierce, and and it was like. The bottom line is they've been small-time. The Wizards under Abe were small-time, and they've been small-time under Ted. And, you know, it's just what they've been. Maybe they will, with this new group, maybe this is a turning of the page because they are going to try something that they haven't tried, and for their organization, this is the way to go. As I mentioned yesterday, Tommy, though, there are no guarantees – Like this is not guaranteed to produce a big outcome, but it is the right decision in the moment. This is the way they have to go. You know, they're not going to get LeBron or Kevin Durant to bring a big three to DC, and they're not going to. And the reason these people haven't wanted to come to DC is because it's been a small time franchise.
2: Yes, yes, it has. And and you know, for Ted, for all his talk of you know, you know, doing things the right way and creating this, this atmosphere, he's been relatively cheap. He really has.
1: Not with Bradley I mean, Beal. The coaching, not
2: with Bradley Beal. I mean, not with the coaching. But, he. I mean, let's face it, part of the reason why most people think he didn't get rid of Ernie Grunfeld I know. was that he didn't want to he didn't want to pay a GM, a high-priced GM to come in here for years. And I heard, look, I was listening to your show today, Loba, I heard David when he was on, and David talked about the practice facility. Yeah. That they built, right? Uh, and how it, you know, how it's not quite on the par with you know what the guy in Phoenix is is building, right? You know, separately just for the Suns. Uh, I just want to point out, Ted did not. Ted talks about that practice facility. His teams work at that practice facility. He's a partner in that practice facility, but he only put up about seven percent of the money for that. That's a city. That put built the rest of it. Right.
1: So, um, I mean... You but know, still, it's their practice so, so that that's, that's a
2: city structure. It's not an owner structure. Yeah. The owner owns a small piece of it. Right. And but, he gets to put his teams there based on the lease that that Well, that doesn't that made.
1: further David's argument? Is that he didn't... Yes, he, you it know, does. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It does.
2: I mean, if, if you're dealing with the city, you know, they're not going to say, oh, don't spare any expense right. when it comes to building a... But they're gonna they're gonna check off we don't need this, we don't need this, we don't need this. They could share this locker, they could share this bathroom. <laughs> of course they're gonna do that.
1: Yeah, I look, I um this is the right thing to do. Okay. Uh it's gonna take some time. I mean And there's no guarantee, you know, David brought up the Oklahoma City, uh, you know, they're headed in the right direction. But, you know, they were 40 and 42 this year. And, you know, and Chet Holmgren hasn't played a game like there's still, you know, if if Giddy and Holmgren and these guys come together and they have, uh, you know, the makings of a championship contender, they're still three years away from that. You know, um, you know, because look, this is a league where young teams don't win anything, you know you it's it's a league of older physically grown men. those are the I heard teams you talk
2: about that on the radio show, and that's a really good point,
1: yeah, so it takes time, so even if you like you're starting this process now in twenty twenty three let's say it takes three drafts to get the nucleus of a championship contender. Well, those players are going to be one- and two- and three-year vets. Rookie, a second-year vet, three-year. You don't start winning and contending until your fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year. So that's why I I said to David this morning, you're really from a championship contending team, if it were to ever materialize, because there's no guarantee it will, I mean, we're right. talking about five, six, seven years down the road. I may oh, not no. – Tommy, I may not even like basketball anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just – but, but it's the one right thing. One last thing about Ted. Yeah.
2: One last thing about Ted that really galled me, which I put in my column. He went on 106.7 uh, last week mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't help himself at one point. You know, he had to boast – about his, his, his track record as an owner. Quote, Just look at my track record as an owner. And what we did with the Caps, fine. And with the Wizards, when I first came here, we made the playoffs five of the last ten years.
1: Oh, my God. He had, the, yeah.
2: he had the nerve to boast about his track record oh as a Wizards owner.
1: Oh, my God. That's... Well, I mean... It, I read that. Five out of the last ten years. They've won one playoff game in the last five years. Okay, they've had they had they had that one stretch with some solid players. Um and I'm talking I'm not talking about the Gillarinas. That was pre-TED because they went to the right. playoffs yeah. several years in a row with that group. Um yes. but I you know that I really did like now, I recognize they weren't championship contending teams, so he didn't create anything. But
2: they anything. could have made it to the Eastern... But they could have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with those teams.
1: You know, two different chances. John Wall doesn't get hurt in 2015. I think they would have made it. And then in 2017, they were in a Game 7 against the Celtics to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But they weren't going to actually be in the Finals. The Heat, you know, the LeBron teams were going to be in the Finals. Um, They weren't an actual championship contender. But... They were more than just in the middle there for a couple of years. You know, they were on the other side of the middle, the the, the positive side of the middle, because they were, you know, a legitimate top four, top five team in the East. Although, to be honest with you, I don't think they ever finished with anything other. I think the highest seed was a four seed. And that was, am I right about that? I think that's the highest seed they were. It was a four seed. So Yeah, I think so.
2: Look, they they, um, haven't, they haven't won 50 games since 1979. Yeah,
1: they haven't been to the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals since 1979. It's the longest drought in the sport by 11 years over Charlotte. Um, that's an embarrassment to talk about your success as the Wizards owner. I know. That's disingenuous, I know. too. That's he's, so totes, because with death. Snyder, you question whether or not like, he was all there at times. Ted's, Ted's not a dummy. You know, uh, he knows. He's tr- this is sleight of hand. This is you know trying to get ahead of it publicly. Um, he, he's got to on some level, and if he isn't, there should be some level of embarrassment over the way the Bradley okay. Beal uh, deal was handled.
2: You oh, can't. He, he's taken. Yeah. He's taken a beating today. You can, for the most part. You can't and say. I would be surprised if you see him. You know. Uh, when they have a press conference at some point, like after the draft, or something like that, I don't think you'll see Ted front and center in the next couple. Of I, weeks. I
1: don't need him to take the walk of shame. I don't. I want to see Winger and hear from Winger and Dawkins anyway.
2: I think that that'll be it. Uh, and, and that's yeah.
1: and that's fine, but when when less than a year ago you were talking about points of light on <laughs> point of partnership and you know uh the the, the, org- the organization that invests in players and rewards loyalty becomes a destination for players um and then a, then less than than a year later you're trading the guy that you gave 251 million dollars to and you know again people it's not Beal's fault it's not Beal's fault at all. And I, I, you know, it's weird because I, and I said this yesterday, I feel like I've really, you know, picked at him over the years. Because I've had people tell me, man, you're harsh on Beal. And it, I guess it's because, like, there were parts of his game that drove me nuts. He was a very inconsistent defender. He was incredibly casual, which is why he always, you know, he had a lot of unforced errors and turnovers that I always felt could have been coached out of him, maybe. I don't know. Um, you know, there was that year where he spent all year on one end of the floor complaining about the calls he didn't get. But but he really was a good player who, by the way, kept improving. Yeah. And, I mean, he led the league in scoring, you know, one year. So he was a really high-level NBA scorer. And I'm going to root for him in Phoenix. Like, you know, I do recognize that people who have gotten to know Brad say he's really a nice young man who tries to do the right thing and has done a lot of the right things. But, again, no offense to that. As a fan of the team lifelong, I care that they win. I want them to actually. I when I I told you this a couple weeks ago as I was, you know, very much overreaching, overcompensating, I think was the word you used for my NBA <laughs> playoff um excitement. And I was like, I just wish my team was in it. Like those few years like that game seven against Boston, that Boston series. I actually was so into that. Like I'm like come on, this would be so cool to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals or winning game 7 in Boston. You know, I was at that game 6 when 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 Wall hit that shot. I mean, it was exciting. Um but you know, uh if they've been mismanaged. Uh, as far as by the way Brett comparing him to Snyder look. You know, let's be fair here to Ted. Okay. Dan's organization was an absolute shit show of bullying, of toxic treatment of people, of harassment, of some of the dumbest people uh, that you'd ever want to see in charge of, of various areas. And, and at the same time, so goddamn arrogant that it made you want to just swing at them. Um, in conversations that you would have with them at times, um, that's not Ted. I mean, Ted's been certainly annoying with the sitting on the team's bench and, you know, the book about happiness and the – The real naivete. I'll chalk it up to naivete about sports gambling. You know the idea early on that you know people like who used analytics could somehow turn this into a profession. Um, But this is he's there aren't twenty nine other owners in the NBA praying every night that 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 Ted sells his team. Okay. You had thirty one NFL owners that wanted this A hole out for years. Years. That's never really been the Ted situation here. Um no. not not to no, mention he, he not, does have a Stanley he, he, Cup title. He does. Yes. Snyder yes, could have does. never found him his way to a title in anything he did.
2: No. we're, we're talking about we're talking about arrogance and incompetence versus evil. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I but but Snyder's arrogance and incompetence is at a level no, much higher I mean, than Ted's. Arrogant,
2: no, I'm I Snyder's the yeah. evil
1: part. Oh yeah.
2: Ted is the arrogance and, and
1: incompetence. Yeah, but but the arrogance and, and incompetence with Dan is is five X what it is with Ted yes. in his organization. Yes. But um, it's evil. Yeah. Uh all right. Um, so, oh, one other thing. Okay, on this. wait. One last thing. Yeah, go one ahead. One last thing. Yeah.
2: As, as 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 eventually, and reality probably won't set in until the first home game next year, maybe, of this franchise. But that arena is is literally going to be a mausoleum. <laughs> it's going to be bad.
1: They're going to have I mean, to do what? What's average, your face used to do? There. They're they're going to have to market the other teams yeah. uh, in a big yeah. way.
2: I mean, the Wizards were at the bottom of the league this year in percentage of capacity in 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 their home arena. They 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 were filled seventy five percent of the time supposedly, uh, and they averaged like fifteen thousand five hundred a game. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, It's going to be for a couple years like that. It's going to be a rough couple years.
1: Well, this is what he's wanted to avoid, Tommy, for so long. He's wanted to be just good enough so that he could – look, I'll never forget as part of that sit-down with him – I asked him about the economics of the NBA because I remember I had been reading that a lot of teams, not only were they not profitable, they weren't even close to profitability. And I remember something, and this was before that, you know, collective bargaining agreement of whatever year 2013 or whatever year the, the new one came into being. And he said, look, we've got to make the playoffs and have a couple of home games just to break even. Yeah. And, you know, look, the T V deals are bigger and better. And I think I think most NBA teams now make money. You know, I think they they all make money now. Um the league's in a different spot than it was back then. But he didn't want to see what he's gonna see he didn't want to see that happen he you know he thought that they could continue to kind of you know jury rig this thing together to to have a chance to win 44 games and have a playoff series or two which would mean as many as six you know home playoff games and he just never remember he said they'll it, pretty much in response to what Josh Harris did in Philadelphia we'll never ever tank yes you know never um, tank never tank um, I'm looking at – so there's, they averaged um, in 2023, this year, they averaged 17,328 a game. They were 21st in the league in overall attendance, but you're correct, dead last in percentage of capacity. Um, behind, by the way, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are on the rise. Like, they're well, – I mean, and there's nothing else to do in OKC. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to see – It's going to be a rough couple it's, years. And you know what? It's going to be rough on the business. And this is the stuff that fans don't see. He's going down this path now. And you do have to – again, it's late. It's too late. But, you know, it's I guess it's better late than never. But this is going to require real investment, real taking it on the chin financially from a business standpoint, as they're trying, as they're doing the right thing to try to produce something that this town hasn't had in nearly a half a century, which is a contending NBA team. So you know he's the owner, and uh, you know he's going to be investing. He's back in the investment business in the NBA. Yes, he is for the next few years. You know this don't is be like,
2: surprised. Don't be surprised if you see some uh, some hit. new money come into this franchise,
1: or, or Ted uh, really amping up the promotion of the casino next to the arena, um, the sports book. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yesterday I put out a poll, and I talked about it a little bit on the show, um, and basically it was uh, comparing. The way the Wizards handled Bradley Beal to the way the Redskins handled Kirk Cousins. You know, which team mismanaged that situation worse? 25 plus, 2,500 plus votes. 58.2% came in on the Cousins situation was worse in the handling of it. I actually think the Beal situation is slightly worse. And the only reason I – well, there are a couple of reasons I say that, Tommy. The reason Washington didn't sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal at market value is they weren't sure about C- Kirk Cousins. They really weren't. And it's not. it wasn't a totally unjustifiable position in 2015. Now, really good franchises, you know, have to project. They've got to evaluate. They've got to say – This is something we haven't had here in a while. This is a guy that can be, you know, a top 10 to 15, 16, top half of the league quarterback. And we haven't had one of those in a long time. Let's get ahead of this and offer him a deal that he can't turn down. And it'll look great in a few years. They didn't do that because they weren't sure about him. The Wizards, on the other hand, were sure about Bradley Beal and they were dead wrong. And anybody that knew anything about basketball could tell you, this guy's not an elite player. How many years have I been t- saying that about Bradley Beal? He's not a number one on a contending team. I, think,
2: I don't even I think th- he's – Yeah. I think you've been saying it for about 30, 40 years now.
1: Um, You do know that I've been saying that.
2: Yes, I I know.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, I even suggested that he's probably more of a number three on a true championship team. And that's what he is right now in Phoenix. Right now. And and I don't even know if that's a championship team. Um, I don't see them being better than Denver. But uh, but, but, but look, both of them were handled poorly. There were lots of responses to this. And a lot of you think that the Trent Williams handling was worse than both of them. That was bad. That was bad. Um, but, you know, Trent had something to do with that, too. Uh, but they could have traded Trent, no doubt. They could have traded him to Houston. Yeah. They could have traded him to Cleveland. There was even a chance, briefly, uh, for a trade to New England for a lot more than what they ended up getting back from San Francisco. Uh, but which of the two did you do you think is worse?
2: This was a really good poll question. Uh, because it, it, it's hard... Really say I could see why it was close, fifty-two to forty-eight. Was no, that what it no,
1: no, no. Fifty-eight to forty, fifty-eight point two to forty-one point oh. eight. It was actually. Oh, you thought, know majority co- cousins. You know, I co-
2: thought it'd be closer. I did too. Uh, I did too. I'm gonna say cousins because they kept paying them. <laughs> they, <laughs> they kept signing them. They kept giving them the uh, the franchise tag money. You know. I mean, they did it over and over again.
1: And they had a chance, even after paying him $44 million in two years, to trade him to San Francisco for the number two overall pick at minimum, and they didn't do it because they didn't want to trade him to the Shanahans. That was stupid and petty. That, that part of it may See, be— See,
2: that's evil. That's, that's petty. Yeah. That's evil. That's beyond competence.
1: Yeah, that is, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face thing. Um, that, was, that was idiotic. Completely idiotic. All right. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing got a big investment from the soon-to-be new owner of the Washington Commanders. We'll discuss that next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. All
1: right, Tommy, tell us about Shelley's.
2: Well, you know, uh, it's getting close to dinner time, guys. What is it? Uh, well, as we're recording this, and uh, well, I was not looking over their time. menu at Shelley. It might be bathroom, close to huh? your
1: dinner time at no, 2:50. Yeah, it's not. Out. It's not close to dinner time for most people as we're recording this.
2: Did, well, I tell you what,
1: <laughs> they, I, I, most people they have a blue plate special. Growing,
2: to, most people keeps growing to my age level.
1: Okay, so you
2: better watch out <laughs> with that most people because we rule the world.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh huh. And, uh, uh, just dinner uh, at 3 o'clock is their, just for a few, I would hope. But but go ahead.
2: I was looking over their ad, advertisers uh, list, and it was making me so hungry. Uh, they have these things called campfire wings. They're roasted, they're not fried, and with marinated jumbo chicken wings mm. with a choice of honey mustard, blue cheese, and ranch dressing. One of my favorites is... Uh, the basket of fries. You know what? When, uh, when I used to you know, go out drinking in the early days, uh-huh. I'd stop in a diner, and I'd always say, usually drunk, give me a, a, a plate of fries, and I'd put my elbow on the table, and I'd say, I want them this big. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to the waitress. Uh, what if they I don't... want them
1: this high. What did, you... did you want her to go back and peel the potatoes and cut them differently for you?
2: No, I wanted the French fries to be that high. Oh, did high that as, oh, as that my, high! From, I thought you
1: meant that big.
2: Um, no, from my okay. uh, from my elbow to my hand, I wanted them that high on the plate. There, that, there, that high,
1: Tommy. There was a place way back in the day. I, it was called Farrell's. It was an ice cream parlor concept that Marriott launched, and the only reason I know it was Marriott because my father-in-law who moved to D.C. Um, came to D.C. to work for Marriott. And um, Farrell's was this ice cream parlor. And they had, for those of you that, I think there are a couple around town. The one that I went to all the time was in Bethesda off of Westbard Avenue. And they had, you know, all of these different ice cream dishes, including, by the way, the zoo, which was like this ice cream extravaganza for like 10 people. But one of the food items they had was a mountain... Of fries, and it was a true mountain of French fries that they would bring out. Um, Ferrell's, God, that place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if there's any Ferrell's uh, pictures uh, online anywhere. Well, Keep telling us about Shelly's, though. Of a mountain. Yeah,
2: Shelly's has a basket of fries. You can add chili, you can add cheese, you can add bacon, or you can add all of the above. Right on those. Uh, Also, meatballs with marinara, uh, stuffed poppers. uh, You can get a Shelly sampler with a little bit of each one of them. uh, And they have um, spiced shrimp, you know, crab artichoke dip. Uh, Do you like artichoke?
1: Love artichoke. Love artichoke dip. Really? Yeah.
2: You know, that's funny. I've got this T-shirt. Uh, and it's from a little rascals episode where Stymie somebody gives Stymie an artichoke mm-hmm. and he had never seen it before. And he says, What is this? And his buddy says it's an artichoke. And he says, Well it may have choked Artie, but it ain't gonna choke Stymie. <laughs> okay. um... You can get the art you can get the crab artichoke dip. All at Shelley's back room, yep. great menu. Great selection of of drinks, whiskey, and great cigars, 1331 F Street Northwest in the district.
1: All right, so Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment is a a company run by Josh Harris. Now, let me just tell you, this is not the company that's buying the Washington Commanders. Josh Harris is leading a group of investors in buying the Washington Commanders. Um, But Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment is a company he runs, and that company owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils and I think Crystal Palace. Anyway, um, it was announced earlier today, reported, I think, first by David Aldridge, in fact. Um, I could be wrong about that, but... Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment reached uh, uh, have become minority investors in Joe Gibbs Racing. Gibbs will become a limited partner at the same time in Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. But he is not a part of the Harris Investment Group in the Commanders. Um, The investment was termed as significant, the investment into Joe Gibbs Racing and then Joe Gibbs also becoming a limited partner of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. Um, That means Gibbs is going to become one of those limited partners in the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Now, Gibbs has been an advisor to Josh Harris through this process. So it's not coincidental that they just did a business deal together. Um, The issue is for me, and I'll just net it out. uh, I'm glad that they said specifically that Gibbs isn't a part of the purchasing of the commanders. Not that I would have had a problem with that at all. I don't have a problem with Joe Gibbs being involved in the commanders at all. But I want to make this particular point. I'm beyond needing Joe Gibbs to be a part of the commanders. And I think what happened was, Tommy, over those many last years of Dan Snyder, how many times did he trot old Joe out when he was in trouble or when the team did something stupid or they were on a major losing streak and there was Joe there sitting in his box to make everybody feel good? And I don't want to see Joe you know handled that way. If Joe ends up being an advisor or was a limited partner, even, I'd have no problem with that. But I don't need Joe Gibbs anymore to be a part of it, if he doesn't want to be a part of it. This is a whole new day. And the truth is is that nobody under the age of 40, or maybe under the age of 35 they're not yearning for Joe Gibbs to be a part of the franchise moving forward. They don't remember the glory years. I mean, we, we've we had generations that have grown up with this team being, you know, a big-time loser and an embarrassment. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, your thoughts on this? Well,
2: uh, to be honest with you, and I love Joe, uh, I was privileged to cover him in his last year uh, in the first go-round as the Redskins head coach. and uh, But it, it was always a bit troubling to see his continued relationship with Snyder. Like, I mean, there, I, I know there were people out there, and I was one of them who would, would say, you must know how bad this guy is. And this is a bad guy. You know, you, you can't you see that? Now, there may have been financial reasons for that. Who knows? Uh, you know, uh, uh, and it may just be Joe, you know, felt so strongly tied to the football team all these years that he felt an obligation to support them no matter what. But it was. I think for some people it was always a bit troubling to see this Snyder Gibbs coupling in recent years.
1: Tommy, in part, because we didn't want him to be around Dan Snyder. You know, it was like, I know what you're saying. The troubling part, like, and look, I, I'm pretty sure that Dan Snyder was a pretty significant contributor to Joe's, you know, Youth for Tomorrow Foundation. Yeah. And and Dan, look, the 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 actual organization for as bad as it was, was a very charitable um, organization in town. And, yeah. and, and they were, you know, big time, you know, donators to Joe Gibbs's you know, youth for tomorrow um, foundation. So, you know, there's a bit of a, Joe wasn't there every day. I doubt Joe. I mean, I would hope Joe knew, didn't, uh, I would hope Joe did not know how toxic the place was how much of a bully and and how, I mean, he had to know how incompetent it was clearly, but that's not a thing you're going to, you know, turn your back on when this guy's giving you a bunch of money for your foundation. And by the way, what you said, I think is part of it too. And that is Gibbs didn't want to lose that connection with the fans. It was important to him. This franchise has always been important to him genuinely. Um, But, uh, uh you know what you're never going to get? You're never going to get Joe Gibbs telling you what he really thinks of Dan Snyder. Yeah. It's just not yeah. his style.
2: No, it's not. It's not. I'm happy for Joe. I'm happy for Josh Harris. Yeah. Uh you know, it it, it sounds like it sounds like something something special happened. While, you know, they were having conversations, maybe advising him about, you know, buying this football team uh, where they connected. And that's good. It wasn't great for, for the, 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 when he connected with Snyder. Maybe this one will be different.
1: I'll tell you what, Joe having any level of ownership in anything usually produces a champion. So maybe we do want him to be a limited partner in the football team. Uh, The 76ers and Devils should know that they've got a limited partner now that has won at everything he's ever done. He's one of the greatest winners in the history of sports. He's in two Hall of Fames. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Uh, All right. All right. I had one other thing, and maybe you've got a couple of things uh, as well, Um, but I did want to talk about a pro football-focused ranking of Washington's defensive line uh, on the list of D-lines in the NFL. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue
1: Nile has something she'll adore. Rate us and review us if you don't mind on Apple and Spotify. Follow us as well. That's a huge help for the podcast. Uh, So Pro Football Focus, I think I mentioned this last week. If I didn't, um, then you'll hear it for the first time from me. Uh, They ranked offensive lines last week, and Washington's was ranked 27th by Pro Football Focus, projecting 2023. Uh, offensive line. And I think, you know, that makes kind of sense. I mean, there's no indication that they've improved significantly along the offensive line. But they came out yesterday, I guess, with their ranking of defensive lines in the league. And this would obviously be the position group for Washington that you would think would be ranked the highest. Not only are they ranked high, they're ranked third in the NFL. Their D line, uh, Philadelphia is one, San Francisco's two, and both of those defenses and those defensive fronts are nasty. I mean, the Eagles in particular. I mean, when you think that think about what they drafted this year and last year in the first round drafting yeah. um, you know Jalen Carter this year from Georgia and Jordan Davis last year from Georgia and they still have Fletcher Cox and they've you know they, they've got Brandon Graham and Josh sweat on the outside um they, 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 this is a dominant defensive line and then you've got what you've got you know Hargrave left Philly he's in San Francisco so Philly's won San Francisco's two and that would have been my guess and I would have guessed, Washington somewhere in the top five or six. but they're three. And um, I was thinking that I don't can't remember the last time this football team has had any position group unit ranked in the top three by anybody ranking position group units. I can't remember the last time. I, I look, I think it's deserving of the top three. Um, they're really really good uh along yes, their D are. line. Um it's a, it's a hell of a defensive uh, a, a defensive front. Uh right just behind them are is Miami, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, Dallas, the Giants. I mean all four NFC East D lines are in the top 10 and then Tennessee's is 10th. I actually really like their tackles, uh defensive tackles in particular, Tartan Simmons. But I mean, I couldn't come up with and if anybody can tweet me at Kevin Sheehan DC to tell me the time you think that any one of these legitimate rankings of position units that we always get in the offseason had any position group ranked as high as top three. I was even thinking like like did the offensive line with Trent Williams at any point was it ranked? No, it wasn't in the top three. I mean Trent Williams and the Washington offensive line wasn't even the best offensive line in their division for those years. Phillies and and Dallas's was. Um. Certainly wasn't quarterback. wasn't running back. Yeah. You know, even with yeah. Alfred Morris, wasn't running back. wasn't re- wide receiver until recently. And, the you know, they're maybe top ten in in wide receiver groups. I think. Um. I think some recent ranking had them 13th or something. I think we, we went through that uh, a couple of weeks ago. But uh, their defense is good. Their defensive line's legit good, and their defense uh, is going to be good this year. I know we've talked about it ad nauseum, but I'd be really disappointed if they're not a legitimate top 10, top 5-ish defense. And Connor Davis, I know you're listening, uh, and you think, you know, all of this investment into the defense over the last few years, that really good isn't good enough. It should be great. And that's not a an, an unjustifiable expectation with as much as they have invested defensively with first-round picks, etc. Maybe we should expect great, like top three, top, you know, four, um, rather than just hoping it's a top ten defense again. But they're going to be really good on defense. It'd be nice... If offensively they got some help and they had some complimentary football in 2023 with an offense that scores points and see a defense with a lead in the fourth quarter being able to tee off and go after a team that's coming back, you know, down two scores. It's been a while since we've seen, you know, a defense have a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter against somebody. Um, other than Dallas and that Sam Howell game at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh I had one other thing for you, and then if you've got anything you can add to this, I somebody sent this to me over the weekend. It was this guy from Channel 9, Eric Flack, who's done a lot of reporting on the sale in the stadium. And he had this story that a little-known clause in the D.C. Code could be the latest roadblock to a potential Washington commander's return to the RFK site. Last Tuesday, D.C. Council Chair Phil Mendelssohn added a budget amendment to extend a provision in the D.C. Code prohibiting the Washington Convention and Sports Authority, also known as Events D.C., from spending city funds to bring the commanders back to the district. The clause states, Events DC shall not expend funds to purchase all or a portion of the property comprising the RFK Memorial Stadium or induce a National Football League team to locate in the district. Um, And so this would appear to be another roadblock to the team returning to DC. But I did have a thought or two on this, but I'll let you respond to it first. Do you know anything about this? Or well,
2: yeah, well, I did. I was not aware of that. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I've told everybody all along
1: for thirty or forty how years.
2: How difficult? Yes, at least it would be on the council to get support for this thing. Uh, yeah, if you remember, the baseball stadium was a one-vote difference on the council. Uh, way back when it's 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 not this kind of expenditure this kind of support is not does not play politically well in a lot of the districts in the city so you're not going to get a lot of support for it uh, i know the mayor's a big backer of it but uh, i think their best bet is to bypass the city and get the federal government to lease the team the land and that's going to be hard to do
1: yeah, they, they have to, the way I understand stand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, they either have to purchase the land from the federal government, have the federal government just give them the land, which they do in some areas of the city, or they have to amend the current lease. They have to extend it, first of all, and then they have to amend yes. it that will allow them to do more than just build a stadium on the property. It'll allow them to do a lot more, like you know, build everything that they want to build, retail, restaurants, you know, residential, etc., around this, the city. But to me, Tommy, like, let's just say all of this, there was a way to solve this to get the land or amend the current lease. I still think that the biggest hurdle is taxpayer contribution to the new stadium and everything that surrounds it. Nashville and Buffalo, the last two uh, stadiums to, you know, start the process of of building a stadium have gotten significant taxpayer contribution in Nashville and in Buffalo. And Josh Harris is going to look at that. And by the way, let's not forget that he had to really he had to stretch himself and everybody else. I know what their aggregate you know worth is, the investor group. It doesn't mean that they want to spend it on a new stadium. They just paid six billion for a team and it wasn't easy to come up with it. Um, but to me, that's still the biggest hurdle is getting this getting the politicians to convince uh, you know, the, you know to, to convince the RFK district, that this is gonna you know be a boon to the area, to jobs, to, to lots of other things, which is I had this guy, um Kenyon McDuffie, he's a he's a council member. A council uh, member, yeah. Yeah, I had him on the radio show like two weeks ago and, you know, he's a big, big proponent um of of yes, the stadium being there. And he he thinks Right now, like, you look at that area and there's nothing going on, but, you know, asphalt and the stadium that's going to disappear, and he sees jobs and huge economic opportunity, and he thinks that people that live down there can be convinced of that. I know that you haven't been convinced that they can be convinced.
2: No, I've been to neighborhood uh, A&C meetings in, the, in those neighborhoods, and uh, they, they have no... They, they have no taste for this whatsoever, and are willing, are ready, willing, and able to put up a strong fight against it. I stick with my prediction: path of least resistance, right next to where the stadium is now. Maybe a little bit closer to the Morgan Station Metro stop, but I think it's going to wind up in Maryland, right next door.
1: I hope you're wrong. Um,
2: and let's remember. Yeah. Uh, you know, Josh Harris's company, the one Joe Gibbs is now going to be part of, is also trying to build a new privately funded arena for the 76ers in Philadelphia. Right. Uh, so he has a lot of commitments for uh, new facilities for his sports franchises. Like he said, his, his effort down here is not the Harris Blitzer company. It's just Josh Harris. Right.
1: All right, you got anything else?
2: I got nothing else for you, boss.
1: All right, I uh, intend on being back tomorrow. Um, There is a possibility of no show tomorrow, but uh, we might have a show. We'll definitely have a show Thursday. Remember, the NBA draft is Thursday night, so Tommy will be here with me to preview the draft on Thursday. We won't do that for too long. We won't do that for too long, um, but uh, we will certainly talk about the draft. Uh, by, the way, uh, by the way, my homework. By the way, Kyle Kuzma, as expected, uh, declined his thirteen million dollar player option, um, and uh, he will become a free agent. And we'll see what Porzingis does. He has a thirty-six million dollar um, player option. Uh yeah yeah I, I want your big board on Thursday if you can provide okay. that to me. All right, sounds good. Th- I'll work on that. Thanks for you were great today by the way.
2: I appreciate it. I thought I was. Thank you, boss.